Welcome, welcome to Fitness and Relations. Today we're going to talk about uh, technology and sexuality. Uh, and of course, how we can always try to tie that back to how it plays a role in fitness. Um, and Melissa, I, I actually got this idea from a, an excerpt of an article that I sent you from Skeptic Magazine. I don't know if you remember, it was like a, a bunch of different things that I thought that we could cover. Um, now, I can't for the life of me remember what the specific article was about. But um, for those who are trying to figure out where I'm from, you probably just got it by the way I, the way I said about. I just uh, I just heard myself say it in Canadian terms. Um, I can't remember what it was about, but there was like five different things that I thought we could cover. And one of them inside that was the impact of technology on sexuality. Mm-hmm. And so immediately I looked at that, you know, uh, this morning and thought, how could we how could we somehow intertwine that? So before we get into uh, my opener, which is largely going to be uh, describing two different areas, a repeat knowledge session, I guess we could say, on grow, peak, and resist and human potential. And then secondly, on web 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, I, I, I may not go through those of the second one, 1. 2, 1.0, 2.0, 3.0 correctly, but... I'm going to level it in that way, meaning like the timelines as to when those things came about, along with, let's call a parallel background of us remembering what grow, peak, grow, peak and resist means and who those people are, and then try to intertwine those two in relation to how it affects uh, how technology and that movement of it affects sexuality and fitness. So as I as I start with that, um, just because it may be of interest. Uh, you you had no idea what angle I was going to take on it. So what did what uh, which which way were you thinking that the direction would go with regards to that topic today? Surprisingly, I think we were slightly aligned, only because okay. we did away with wanting to start it with um, internet to like the, the different the phases the phases of yeah. technology mm-hmm. and how it um, impacted sexuality. So. For me, then I immediately go to the different, the different groups, right? The peak resistors, like I'm, I'm, that. My brain just goes straight to that. How was each one of those groups? Mm. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Um, and the only reason why I asked was just out of interest, not to see if uh, we're like starting to kind of align on uh, on some of those things and the thoughts on it. And as I say that, I guess it is good that we don't align on those things. You know, philosophically, it's probably best that we do have a different approach coming into those things for a variety and a different way of seeing things. Um, yeah, so the the way I wanted to start the uh, 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, remembering that I also want, you know, everyone to think about what grow, uh, peak, and resist means um, as I go through that. What I want everyone to think about is... Uh, what we're going to get to in some of the questions that I'm going to propose for Melissa today that she does not have knowledge of um, is that I want you to think about how the, what, what, or I guess what we'll call the formative years of development or a person's experience and a person's life. And, and as years go on, 
Um, you really want to take that into consideration when I think we're going to make a commentary or have an opinion on, you know, what fitness, you know, how physical expression intertwines with sexuality and relations and things like that. I think it's just really important as a reminder to remember that, you know, a 20 year old today in 2024, and I'm just going to say 24, just so I can get it written in <laughs> uh, for, for practice. Um, just remember that they're, that they're, the way they're going to see the world is completely different than someone who's 62 years of age or someone who's 40 years of age. And, and you can then intertwine all of those things. And so that's why the grow, peak, resist, you know, if we were to put it in short term would be 20 year old, 40 year old, 60 year old, you know, if you wanted to clasp onto that, just remember that that's parallel to this conversation of 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. And the carryover to it. Um, the way I thought about it was to also think about words that uh, let's say you can correct me if I'm wrong, or correct me if, if you think you know you think of it somewhat differently. But when I think of Web 1.0, I think of the term local. When I think of Web 1.0, and when I think of the word, um, or sorry, Web 2.0, um, I think of global. And when I think of Web 3.0. I think of universal um, and I'll back up web 1.0 is really the, there's no certain timelines of it, but it's the start of the internet age. So let's call it the, let's call 1990 just for a roundabout time period. Okay. And the reason why I use 1990 is that there could be some people listening in who, you know, uh, weren't even a thought in, in their parents' brains at this point in time. Um, or there could be some people that were, you know, 20 years of age in 1990 that can remember that specific timeline. Um, and I, the reason why I added that word local to web 1.0 and the start of it is that I think that's when, you know, to generally discuss it, I think that's when, you know, a, a lot of information became far more available to humans, you know, everywhere. Uh, the speed of it, um, the capabilities of understanding what's going on, in short form, you could probably see it as in the 1960s, you know, um, your parents or, you know, people during that time had the Encyclopedia Botanica, okay, to use it as a specific example. And <laughs> I can still smell and see and feel those pages, you know, up on, <laughs> up on those bookshelves. Um, and then now we're in 1990, and with almost like a you know, a snap of fingers with no actual space like Encyclopedia Britannica has, you know, we've moved from that analog world to digital overnight. Like it, so the reason why I give that specific idea as a story is just to, is just to give people an attention to all that information that all of a sudden became available. And the reason why I, I, I do speak about it in that tone is because a lot of people uh, I think incorrectly knock on uh, the Zoomer generation or iGen or the younger generation by saying that, you know, they have it so good and they want things done quickly. I just want you to pause for a second to remember that they did not, at, when they weren't 15, when encyclopedias went to digital format. You see that they weren't even a thought in someone's brain. So if you're born into 
no concepts of the Encyclopedia Britannica. I just want people to just pause for a second to say that's probably why they see the world the way that they see it is because they were born into that specific form of information and how to gain information. Okay, so that's why I I kind of, you know, hit on that. And I call that local, you know, I'm calling it, you know, a specific local kind of timeline. And then Web 2.0 was, I called it global because that's what, and we're, I'm going to give a year of 2005 for this, just because it was 15 years later, the advent of social media. So this common ideas around tribes and communities and online communities, even that word itself was, was proposed, uh, albeit philosophically positive intentions, but obviously there's a whole bunch of shit that we got into as society based upon the, the darker side of identity politics and tribalism and, and now the identity trap uh, for today. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to call that a global time. And that's when, you know, social media came on. So you can see that it's, it's, it's a second generation of just the dial up internet, you know, um, and that's what made it different. It's not just now digital and bits and bytes. It's like communication on top of that digital apparatus. Okay. And the reason why, again, I'll pause on that, just like I will for the Britannica, Encyclopedia Britannica concept of information change is that you can now see that if you were not born into that communication to you, you could see is completely different. Like how people communicate is completely different. And I'm going to finish well with this over time, as well as ask you some specific questions as to what you think about that, Melissa. But I think that communication thing is what we generally hammer on younger people today about. And we just short, we just, we're just short with our language on it of saying, oh, they just, you know, simple things that will come out of my mouth, be like, they just don't know how to communicate correctly anymore. And if it doesn't come out of my mouth, that's what I'm thinking. But I have to pause on that to say, yeah, but if you're born into this being a form of communication because your formative years were, quote unquote, 2005, 2006, 2007, MySpace, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You can see how, you know, your whole digital concept of information is now completely transformed. It's beyond information. It's now communication. Communication as like a strategy to live. Communication as a strategy to develop relationships, you know, things like that. So, but I call that global now because it's it's not just Wabush Labrador. It's not just my 3,000 people in my community when I had the Encyclopedia Britannica, right? 2005 basically indirectly wiped Wabush off the map. I now didn't become someone from Labrador West. I became someone from a global community, right? I immediately jumped into something that's more than my just local community, you know? And that's, again, that's a stark demarcation between analog and digital, and a reason why I, again, hit on that is just to remember, just imagine if you're 20 or 40 or 60 years of age, as that occurs, right, your entire life from the, the, there forward is going to be tr transformed and changed. Just so we could see when we want to make those generalized comments about relationship building or communication strategies or anything like that, we just pause for a second to say, well, what were they born into? 
And what was their perception of communication? And because I, I would just, you know, I'm not going to pause here for just communication specifically on that point, but just imagine people that were that were born into that in their formative years and their brain is developing as they think that they are in a global community, right? You're, you're, you're born into thinking that you're, you're fully connected, fully connected anywhere, right? I could look at the Great Wall of China in three seconds and a thousand different views of the Great Wall of China on my phone, you know? And so you can see that if every part of your life is developed around that, you can see how now I move beyond just this local concept to a global concept when I do that, when I do that change. And then we move into, I'm going to use 2020 just simply because it's 15 years later than that. We're going to call that Web 3.0, and I'm calling it universal. And I'm calling it universal is because it it smells of something that's more than just the earth, right? Because we're talking about things now that's artificial intelligence. We're talking about things like multi-planet species. We're talking about things like setting up our long-term uh, exposure as humans to travel through space, right? So we're, it's more than just the, you know, because when you have conversations around climate change, sustainability, um, you know, what, you know, Elon Musk is up to with SpaceX, what people are interested in for the future development of uh, information here on planet Earth. And when we talk about artificial intelligence today or anywhere within fitness or anything, um, you are talking about something that's more than your planet. And so that's why I'm calling that a universal language. Now, how that relates to uh, what we're discussing for today is that you have to remember now in 2020, and we'll just say for today, 2024, you could see the scaffolding that has occurred for people who were, let's say, born in 2003. Okay, so if you're born in 2003, you're now 21 years of age today, right? And your formative years, remember are not based upon, you know, dial-up scenarios. And your formative years are not based upon, oh my gosh, this unbelievable global community, right? Your formative years are based upon, you know, these challenges in your life around what a computer can do in relation to what a human can do. And all the things that are attached with that, i.e., you know, is there emotion connected to a chat GPT format? You know, uh, you know, deep fakes, the darker and the positive sides of that, right? Is that a real person? And I hope people can start to develop the connections here. So if you're 20 years of age today, and we're going to have a conversation on relationship building and males and females and fitness and physical expression, you have to recognize that these individuals at this point in time see the world extremely differently than people whose formative years were 2005, 2006, 2007, extremely differently. I would say it's it's a large, I would say it's even a gap that uh, I guess we could, I could, I could specifically talk about it philosophically for hours of the gap that's there in relation to even that difference based upon the speed of technology. But that's what we're calling Web 3.0. We're calling it universal and I'm calling it basically this specific language that invokes something that's more than just what we've came up with on that web 2.0. So you can see that my, that's my, that's my starter for describing the, the generational differences for describing the actual timeline differences, 1990, 2005, 2020, 
which is interesting, right? They're 15 year blocks. So it's easy to think about for this 30 year, you know, transformation and change. Um, and now that, I, that I've started that, I'll pause for a second for just any thoughts that you have on either of those specific topics, grow, peak, resist, 1.0, 2.0, or maybe just a personal story or idea that you thought about. What was your thoughts just on that opener, Melissa? Whoa. Um, a lot I mean, there. I, I'm sorry, but. Uh, I mean, I just started, you know, we, we started this with how that tech, how this tied into sexuality. And so I just started brainstorming back out to like, you know, availability of imagination for each, for each different demographic of that. Right. So like mm. going back to 1.0 of like, you know, um, Playboy magazines, like JC Penney's catalog. Uh, oh yeah. Video cassette porn video. Right. Like 2.0 to me is like the beginning of yes, space, you know, MySpace and Facebook, but also like online community. It was like forums and zines. Like you like, I remember we were really big into like everyone had like an online journal, right? Where you could talk about all your stuff, but it was universal because if it was music related, you could connect to people in other parts of like the state or the country or the world that had your same common interest. You know, um, yeah, right. like text messaging and like, you know, like the beginning of sexting and like how that whole world was starting to like for that demographic growing up, it was the first time you could like do things like that with your peers that like was, wasn't available, you know, to mm. your generations. Um, so that's where my brain. Works. I really like that. Yeah. I like that. Uh, I'm, um, I'm thinking about communication as just, I'm just trying to find a word for what you're discussing there, like how you communicated with those that were around you. And um, yeah, I wrote down uh, three, I wrote down letters under local, right? You actually, you still, you know, you still actually use the pen and paper and that's how you communicated with individuals. Um, yeah, Web 1.0, right? I have that written down because I can vividly remember my mom, telling me stories of like having pen pals. Yes. Like soldier pen pals. That was really big to send yeah. like letters to soldiers. Right. Right. And then let's fast forward that the digital version of a pen pal, which was described as, you know, something that's more efficient, uh, global, right. Is the Facebook, MySpace, et cetera. And I, I liked your words on, I took down the word forums because that really is a, a specific, that is a specific example of the form of communication of web 2.0 that was extremely different even than 15 years prior. Um, like there were still forums in the nineties, but it wasn't at the, at the level of, uh, I guess, intensity and, and uh, proximity to things that are important to you. And so if we keep going along that line and I'm calling, I'm just calling for language today, web 3.0 universal. Um, I still think that I guess the word that I'm trying to look at there, if I'm using letters, you know, analog letters, and then we're going to go to forums, I think that it's almost like, it's almost like a word of un, like, you may not even know if you're talking to someone now. Okay. That's what I mean by the AI VR computer, like, you know, so I guess the word that I'm landing on is unreal. Not unreal as in like fan phantasmic or unbelievable, but not real. Yeah. Right. So we've moved from this like analog letters to being on forums and really thinking 
we're connecting to an online community. And you and I know, not better than, but just as as important as it was to our career formative years, right? This was really important to us, right? Because we really thought we were going to change the world with regards to fitness based upon this like, wow, all these people are interested in a global community, right? Of fitness change and fitness evolution. Um, but then now we're in this like this false sense of that. And we're coming up with so many different strategies. We're coming up with so many different ways to, to try to, without resulting back to writing letters, but we're trying to make that as personal as possible. Do you see it landing on that? Yeah. Yeah. So as I move into some questions based upon it, I'm just going to do a review here. Um, what we mean by, or what we mean by the language of grow, peak, and resist is really uh, just language that OPEX has come up with to kind of describe a lifetime for someone. And these things that, because if, if you're not aware, for those who are listening, um, at OPEX, we help people live a largest life possible. And we do that through education to each of those people on what is best for them, for them specifically on things like physical expression, on fueling themselves, and on thought and ideas, right? That's our three pillars of behavior, exercise, and nutrition that we help people with. Um, and so growing is generally that first stage of life where, as the word says, you're growing. Your brain is growing, your body is growing, you're still developing. Um, and if you, if anyone wanted to, you know, wants to become very specific with it, I generally shortchange that to like 26 years of age, 27 years of age. And that's probably changing more and more as we go on. If it was five years ago, I said it was like early 20s. But now that we're getting more research on brain development, we're starting to see more research from uh, like, well, Jonathan Haidt's work, Judy Twenge's work on iGen, et cetera, um, that there's a later stages of development that are happening now soci sociologically and psychologically. So the prefrontal cortex generally is a little bit longer to be developed than, well, let's say, 30 or 40 years ago. So I'm going to say like 26 is your cutoff point for that for growers. Now, peakers want to think about it, it is that it's you're peaking in life you're at you're at the highest level of sexual reproduction development mental acuity and let's say your opportunity for expression right now what the cutoff is for that well is whatever all those things start to either stalemate or go downward in trajectory right and so for a lot that's 35 40 45 even sometimes up to 50 years of age but that is what we're calling like peaking or peak years. And if we were to stop that at 45, and as I generally do, because it's this nice transition between a biological difference between males and females of perimenopause and just say an androgen stalemate for males on the other side, 45 is going to be that. So 26 to 45 years of age, you got 19 years of peaking. And then from 45 to 85, we call it resist because there is a finite time where you are going to die. And just in case people are not aware, if you're listening to me today, no, you're not going to live to 125 years of age. 
So if you are going to pick a number, you know, then we have lots of data to determine what that number is going to be. Um, is it 70? No, it's not 70. You know, is it 97? Oh, it could be. So we're going to say 85 um, to make you think about, well, what is that timeline? You can work backwards from that based upon whatever you want to do to fit into your lifetime. And so that's what we call the resistors, 45 to 85 years of age. And we call it that because you're resisting entropy, right? A natural biological evolutionary thing that humans have developed over half a million years is this ability to try to extend that process out as far as we can. And we are right now, you know, in 2024, we have limitations to that, right? And we're still trying to figure it out. Um, but that's going to be around 85 years of age. And you're not all, you know, and not everyone goes downhill at that point in time. You're basically, you know, just trying to resist the downhill slide. So that's that's what we call resist, okay? Grow, peak, and resist. And I had to give that uh, because I do want you to think about if if someone is, you know, because you could be 30 years of age listening in today, um, which means that you were born in, what, 1994. Um, you do want to recognize that if you're like myself, I was born in 1974, you know, I'm just going to see the world differently than what you're going to see the world, right? I have different experiences. I may not have more experiences per se, absolutely, but I do have different experiences. So that's why... Uh, I need you to remember what grow, peak, and resist means for human potential. Now, on on top of that, I just laid out Web 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. And now I want you to try as hard as possible in your brains to combine those two differences or those two different things and to try to coordinate, you know, this ability to try to understand what sex and sexuality means in this world of what we're calling technology on this scaffolded development of dial-up internet to MySpace to virtual reality and artificial intelligence, right? So think about it that way. So I'll start with this question, um, really for uh, both of us, but I thought it'd be a good, uh, good starter with that base support. How does technology, uh, specifically today, uh, shape perception in fitness how does it sh how does the technology uh shape people's perception in fitness and try to add to that melissa our, our original starting point of you know if people were born into you know something so if you're 20 or you're 40 or you're 60 years of age you know what are some what are some generalized things that you think about that technology does to shape people's perception of fitness today i thought that'd be a good starting point because how people see things you know um based upon what they have in front of them or what tech is to them that could largely like i'm sure you're you're doing it all the time um you're trying to you know change people's stories and perspectives and narratives and what they think fitness is and maybe technology has already shaped that so what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, I love this because it, it, it ties into, um, as a gym owner, the way in which you market to different demographics and different avatars. Um, you know, uh, we have primarily a lot of people that are like peaking and resisting. That's just who we tend to work with are slightly older audiences. So like they're not going to be on social media as much 
or they're not going to find us on Instagram or TikTok. That's not where they're going. Like that's not where they find their stuff from. It's usually, um, you know, referral based or someone that like, you know, if, I, if I'm t- talking to a 60 year old that's going to come into our gym, they're finding us through a friend. They're mm-hmm. not finding me on, on an Instagram story uh, most often. Or um, so, so that's where I first, that's where my brain first goes is like, you know, how do people find us and what are they looking for when they do find us? Um, you know, for someone that is in the peaking age, I think their relationship with fitness is it's something that you do to look a certain way. Hmm. or there's two there's two different channels you can go you can go to the outdoors person that Mm -hmm. doesn't want to go into a gym Mm -hmm. right or has this like anti-gym mentality that like fitness is something you just go do you should be hiking and running and doing those things but you don't go inside of a gym and then you have this other bucket that's the person that uses the gym to manipulate their body to look a certain way what is so what is uh Quick answers here, if you can. What does fitness mean in short words? What does fitness mean for a 20-year-old versus a 40-year-old versus a 60-year-old? Generally, now. Because I just picked up on that. I thought about that with the comment for the outdoors. I'm like, yeah, you're right. But I just thought, you know, a lot of 65-year-olds really still think of fitness as punishment. Uh, like you got to do it because you don't want to be fat, right? Cause you're not going to have a social status or you want to do it because you're going to train for war. Right. Um, I'd say every 40 year old may see it as like, Oh, it's an athletic thing. And then 20. So what's your thoughts on that? And then I have some other, some other thoughts. Uh, I say it doesn't matter which age bracket you're looking at. It's still a form of punishment. I, I do believe that like, no matter who we get in the gym. different words for each one right yeah. yes yeah. yes i'd say um the overeating versus undereating restriction mm. is a different relationship between each generation where if i have an older potentially someone that's in the resisting phase right like training is a, or the gym is a form of punishment right yes the war scenario or um just the theme of like counting calories and wanting to stay thin and that's why you went to work out um very much like relationship with food may be a little bit more sensitive in a different way for that demographic Mm. Um, versus today i'd still say a young person coming in most likely isn't inspired to come into the gym they're coming in because they've been told that they're overweight and they need to exercise Mm. and they think that's they've been told in society that's a way of like balancing out you know, their Thursday, Friday, Saturday binges. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm not I'm not stepping out by, you know, making that as a generalization, but I, I would agree that that's it. So, but that's a, I'm just going to, I'm just going to write that word down for me to contemplate on the side. Cause that's a really interesting way of looking about how the 20, 40 and 60 year old all see it as punishment. It's just punishment, a different word for each each age bracket. I really like that because the 40 year old, I would, I would agree that it's, it's physical sacrifice, right? That's why I tie in that athletic persona for that 40 year old. It's like to be the athlete they once were, or they, in their age, when they were younger, they did know that athletics were connected to physical expression, right? So it's about competition and, and, uh, et cetera, males or females. Um, yeah, I thought about this as you were as you were uh, 
when you said this is the lens that you see that through to rem remind everyone, my question was based upon how does technology shape perception in fitness today for a 20, 40, 60 year old based upon what they're born into. And you said, yeah, we think about this for uh, gyms and marketing. And I immediately thought about uh, what is your thoughts, Melissa, on uh, on this statement? It's it's how people get information that largely dictates how their fitness is shaped. Correct. So if we were to do extreme cases, extreme cases that means it's like culturally relevant or people like use this as a trope all the time. You know, you're watching Sean Hannity. How many 21 year olds are watching Sean Hannity? Right. Not a lot. Right. right? How many 21 year olds are possibly watching Joe Rogan? That could be that you see what I'm saying. So, uh, and I could be wrong on that. Absolute numbers could be different, but see, my point is that that's a highlighting extreme example of how people at 60 years of age get information which is similar to your point you just made of marketing, right? You're not going to market in a certain way to a 65-year-old for fitness if you know they're only watching Fox, NBC, ABC, CNN, right? What we call legacy media. Do you know what I mean? So if that's where they get their information, then it shouldn't surprise you as a coach if they're going to come in and say, oh, you know, there's this medication that is like well-accepted and people talk about all the time. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just every second commercial that you have on the way that you gain information. You see what I'm saying? So, um, so do you do you see that as the same way, or do you and do you think about those things in regards to marketing, i.e., uh, how they get their information? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, exactly. Because to your point, it's like um, I always give the example of because you know my boyfriend watches a lot of golf, and I see a lot of the commercials that come on those channels and who they're marketed to and they're they're marketed to uh 50 plus year old men it's like the 80 cent viagra commercial shows up repeatedly um so it's also like what they're being fed they need right it's a lot of medications and so those are the things that then we have to combat when that person comes out into the gym and we're trying to prescribe lifestyle prescriptions or things like that and navigating what they've been heard they should do versus what we think they should do for longevity um you know is one there i think you just hit it really well in the beginning of not real for the younger generation. Um, I think there is a lot of distrust of what we should be doing because everything on social media is a contradiction to what someone else said you should do. Mm. So, right. We should downside of like 35 opinions. Exactly. Right. So it's a, uh, this goes back to also just for the peaker. It's like, you know, who's um, my doctor's the right doctor or right. Like I have the right scientist that's going to say, so my that's information right. is better than your information. So right. just it, it's more just navigating the conflicting views of what's right to do. Hmm. Right. If you're a 40 year old woman, it's bad to do high intensity. It's bad to do sustained fitness, right? Hmm. There's all the back and forth of like this cardio is right. This cardio is wrong. So. Um, and that's why it's important to have the discussion of, recognizing i guess that's our somewhat of our answer to the question is no matter where you are if you're a consumer of fitness or if you're a coach of it or if you're just someone who contemplates on the on the notion recognize that you have to be aware as to where people get their information in the form of technology um 
that will shape that will shape their perception of fitness. So the perception of fitness is largely shaped by how they get their information and where they get their information. Um, and I guess that's a secondary question we won't I won't ask today, but just for people to think about is to think about how to overcome that. You know, I was just trying to think of when you mentioned the younger person, you know, so how do you educate a younger person on this concepts of autonomy and physical expression freedom if there's like 24 different contradicting opinions and they don't have a lot of self-confidence? You know, that that's a well, separate conversation for another time, but that's a tall order, right? It's a tall order because why should they believe you, right? Um I would take initial stab at a word that people could think about uh, principles. You know, what I mean by that is that there are some things regardless of time that have stood, that have, I guess, to the test of time, you know? Um, and so that's something that even the young person can think about. It's like, well, what do you mean by principles? Well, there are these basics, these basic things that have always been done that makes sense for us biologically and socially and psychologically and go to that area for, to find your answers. And then you won't have to be looking for 25 different opinions or, you know, if you want to really contemplate on it, take all the 25 opinions, if you got the time and try to find and extract the principles that work best for you in each one of them. And again, you're still going to land on those principles. Um, the next question I thought about, and I'm only specifically doing it for females because um, I thought it'd be an interesting one. Uh, for females, how does, this is obviously super generalized. And I'm, when I say fitness today, um, I'm talking about physical expression specifically, Melissa. For females, how does technology help in fitness today? How does technology help them? So take a generalized view of that, right? A generalized view of it and 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 even a generalized view of technology and say, how does this help? And maybe if you can, think about growers, peakers, and resistors when you answer that question. Um, accessibility. Uh, I think there's a lot of insecurity and this allows women to access um, fitness within the safety of their homes in their bedroom for potentially, you know, a a 15 year old girl that feels insecure and is overweight, she can do something versus nothing without mm -hmm. leaving the comfort of her room. Um, I know a lot of people that feel that way. And Encyclopedia Britannica wouldn't have gave them that. No. <laughs> right. So I think there's that part of it. Um, I think again, the reality of um, being a parent and if you do hold most of the responsibility of children, you can do something versus nothing again. Um, which again, maybe there, yes, there were tapes. I definitely know there were like exercise tapes that you could do, you know, in the eighties and nineties. It was very, well, yeah, that was web 2.0 though. Right. That wasn't the internet start. That was web 2.0. So, so it was there, but I'd say like in today's world, I think it is yeah. a lot at your fingertips to find a 10 minute workout video that a mom can do during nap time. Right. So um, on that end, I say like the accessibility to, um, okay. to, to, to education and information. Education and information, yeah, I think is like the biggest benefit of te of technology today. Okay, uh, change up that question uh, just for yourself. Um, 
maybe think about another another couple of re ways that uh, it helps. Because um, I wasn't necessarily looking for the biggest one. I guess it could be arguable, but I, I think I would agree with you with regards to accessibility of information and how that's extremely helpful. Um, but uh, what are some other ways that uh, technology helps females in fitness with regards to physical expression? Um, um, you can love it or hate it, but I think apps have been very helpful for uh, menstru for women who are trying to navigate their menstrual cycles. Okay, uh, so it right? like it adds to the intuitiveness. It's a feedback mechanism for intuitiveness and awareness. Yeah, uh, which can yeah. improve someone's relationship with fitness or how they. And that is technology because that wasn't available in 1990, right? So that's what we mean. It's like okay, yeah, that's great. That's another one. Um, I think it also provides more community. Again, uh, we can love it or hate it, but I have a lot of female friends that have found connection and community through, um, you know, Peloton rise or things like that. If you can't have, you don't have time to see your friends, but you can hop on a bike and you can see each other and you can ride together. It does create connection. Um, or in a time today, people have less time and space to see people. Um, you would can. you say that, uh, would you say that, I guess, if we were to um, go look at it through the lens of 1.02 and 3, 1990, 2005, 2020, um, I would make the statement and agree with me or or maybe have a, a retort for it. Uh, 1990 really didn't do much for females for uh, for fitness. Uh, 2005, um, and that concept, I think was, was really like, if I could parallel it to a, a wave of, uh, feminine accessibility or growth or et cetera, it was all encapsulated in that. And as I finished that before everyone gets so excited about that concept of freedom and accessibility, I would think that the 2020 version of the web has taken away from what you just described as a possible. So if we were to, if we were to split out and I only do this in journalist terms, just for people to kind of think about the tough concepts of male, female, essential differences, right? Males, things, females, people. Okay. And therefore, if I'm going to say females, people, then yes, I'm going to glump all the intuition, emotion, uh, feelings, uh, deeper levels of uh, creativity. The, the, I just hold that to be an essential difference, right, for females. So it makes sense at 2005, if you have this unbelievable growth in using your words of this online community or the potential to kind of like share with other people, right? I think that the newest version of the web is actually killing that because it's actually taking away this truest concept of a relationship, right? So what the female holds dear is a real human and multiple versions of them as a relationship, right? Like you did have in 2005 with an online community. And now that's being you know, not shattered, but dispersed. And I think there's this overarching tension right now. Like I can just, you can just sense it. It's ephemeral, but it's, it's there. It is. Your thoughts on that? 
I grow, um, I say growing as a, in my career throughout this time frame, that's 100% how I feel. I feel like there was this like liberation of like movement and understanding your cycle and this connection and community that I was so happy and fortunate to be a part of. And now it's like, no matter what you say, it will be used against you because it's out of context. Right. So it's like, instead of empowering each other to be better, it's always like, uh, but like you shouldn't drink lemon water in the morning because there's too much sodium and that's why people are fat. Right. Like everything you say is like, is your intention correctly? And there's these women that we're all like, we all share the same common interest of helping each other, but now it's like, everyone's yeah there's just this tension of like who can help someone better or how are we doing it or like you know um i think and the it's person's not even real on the other side uh, yeah and it's like if we sat down and all had a conversation we would all agree on everything but because of how separated we are on platforms of the internet it mm. is like divided this community mm. of women within fitness um right it's the way we can watch a female do crossfit while pregnancy and and tear her apart because we don't like it, right? Versus this community that you yeah. would have supported and that would have been so empowering to see a woman be able to do fitness now. And it was. You know, it was. You just hit on it. The I And I, I mean, we'll, it's close to home to both of us. So we'll talk about in, in those terms. That's what CrossFit was a part of, right? You know, the I, I think of Annie Thor's daughter as the classic avatar for this for this perspective right because when she basically gave a middle finger to the american exceptionalism and the the concept of what you know females could do with regards to physical sacrifice and etc uh on an, another time as course i could just berate that with regards to its lack of connection to health but besides the point how we saw it was what you just described as this female liberation of freedom in a community, right? In a community that truly was, in our definition of what you're describing there, a community. And now in 2020, the avatar concept of Annie Thor's daughter, you know, has 27 opinions. People have 27 opinions about that specific context. So they don't, they don't even see the positivity that was involved when what we saw they now see, well, this is how I'm supposed to live in the online world. I'm supposed to make a comment. I'm supposed to have an opinion. I'm supposed to have, I'm supposed to create something around it. And again, they're not being, they're not seeing the principle. So yeah, I, I, I did not know that I was going to think about uh, the transitional, I guess, development of females in fitness as this technological um, advancement has been made, but I think I, I am anyways. And I think you might be agreeing with me. We're landing on something here today that we are going to have to work on, which is this third wave of virtual reality, artificial intelligence, attention economy platform is really, uh, messing up what, <laughs> what I'll just speak for women here, what women took so long so long to basically overcome in in this i'll just put it in simple terms to walk into a gym and to say yeah i'm fucking lifting weights and i'm doing low pulley pull throughs and face pulls and back squatting because i can and because i'm able you know and i know for those who are like 30 years of age you're like 
Of course, that's something. No, that was not a well-accepted notion, what I just mentioned to you. So in 1990, you were a freak. You were, you were, you were just an unusual uh, female, either with, in social perspective, an eating disorder, or you were an athlete of some sort, and you're looking to like get a step up, right? And in 2005, you can imagine the full-on acceptance of that concept was like 100% overdrive, I would even say. Um, and I, I, I do it more often as I get older. I got to give Greg Glassman some credit here. Um, he did, you know, uh, as much as people may, may want to make, you know, thoughts on what they, they think they know is true with regards to that. He gave full accessibility for that and actually pushed it forward to say, no, they're going to do that shit. And this is the reason why, and et cetera. And, you know, we could go back to stories about Eva T and Nicole, et cetera, to kind of highlight that. But anyways, I'm, I'm appreciative of us being able to talk about that. Cause I just thought about that today is just something would you agree with me? We got to come up with something that's going to be helpful for that because that's 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 a path to nowhere with the current. Yeah, yeah shitty. Um, so thank you for that. I, there's there's something more than just like the biggest version of how technology helps um, for males. For males, how does technology? Um, if we we're going to back to my previous point on people things, right. And take everyone use their big brain now and be okay with the fact of like isolating males as having this essential difference for their highest priorities. Right. So as you and I know, uh, Melissa, with our work, you know, both educational wise, technically learning about it as well as actually practicing it. Um, there are some specific innate collective that means that most males do experience this males have really high priorities that are different than females some of their highest priorities and i'll just give some of them um, based upon these innate things that males really like the concepts of mission the concepts of going on a mission the concepts of complete and utter freedom um, and the concepts of the words that go with that, isolation and individualism in freedom. And the reason why I just give those words before freedom is that remember what we just talked about earlier with regards to some of the, you know, indirect highlighting elements of the highest party for females is not being a recluse walking in the desert alone, right? And trying to do it over 200 miles. That's a very masculine, most times male high priority. So I'll just finish on that by, by, you know, getting people's uh, just wetting their appetite for this, for the question, how does technology harm this highest priority, especially in the physical expression context? What's your thoughts on that as to how technology could be harmful for males? And remember, try to parallel that with growing, peaking and resisting if we can. I think it just takes, well, it puts you more inside of a computer on a screen than out, right? Where's your purpose? Where's your mission? You're not going outside if you're spending your time in front of a screen. So with the current, you know, what we call the generalized setup for technology today being not real, right? It's, I call it fantasy world, right? It's a fantasy. 
It's not real relationships. Those are not real females <laughs> on the other side, right? You think they are because there's a picture of them, but it's not, right? They're not real relationships, right? So you're taking away this concept of reality. And then what you're saying is that, and I would agree with you, all right? Um, I actually did not know what the answers were supposed to be for these, um, but I but I am agreeing with you on that. It's the realistic aspect that that specific male needs to have. It's not, it's not the, it's not the as much the individual isolated reclusive aspect because someone could certainly do that in the online world. But yeah. the point you're making is that when that comes without a concept of reality, which is I'm tying it into the form of nature, whatever whenever that's taken away, and now all you have with your concept of reality is a screen or bits and ones and zeros. Yeah, I would agree. That's going to be extremely harmful for the, for the collective male uh, uh, growing process. For your only, you know, um, reality of mission is inside of a video game. Yeah, that's going to come to an end, right? Because you can just imagine how many things that young man has to do to keep supporting the concepts of growth and development if they're never going to do pull-ups or back squats. You know, you're going to end up, you know, uh, biohacking. You're going to end up uh, peeing, you know, while sitting down. I mean, these are these are the things that you're going to have to, you're going to say, oh, I'm, I'm going to justify this because I need to, you know, uh, do games for nine hours in a row. I used to do six and I couldn't maintain and Red Bulls weren't kicking for me. So now there's the specific medication that yeah. dehydrates me so I don't have to get up to pee so I can do nine hours. And you see what I'm saying? Like, although that sounds like a storyline, that's an that's an example of what are the adaptive things, right? What are the things that you're going to have to adapt to, to your point? If you don't have reality, if you don't have nature, and I, when I t put those two terms together, I mean physical expression, in which you indirectly get punched in the face, and you got you got to be like, okay, what am I going to do with that? Because the way that I see that for a male is, of course, I'm not getting punched in the face, but I see like missing my sixth repetition of a bench press as a light punch in the face, right? It's a failure, right? But these failures you have to set up and come come by in nature and through reality. And if if males don't get that collectively and generally today, knowing full well, we've agreed that it's a highest priority for males to go on that mission and to, to, do, to continue to do those challenges alone that you could figure out for yourself, um, we're, we're going to be in rough shape, rough shape over time. So that uh, that's kind of a ho-hum setup uh, from females and males to this next question based upon the grower specifically for male and female growers. And this would be the ones that are at this age bracket now of I'm just going to make an assumption. There could be some, you know, 16 year olds listening in up to 26 years of age. So it's it's that category. What can you predict for future, fu their future fitness perception and fitness? 
Like, what will the future hold for um, the both these male and female growers and fitness inside of a techno technological world? Like, what will what do you think? Just take a stab at it. What do you think fitness for their future will look like? Knowing this is what they knowing what we've already already preempted this by saying that these people were born with like, you know, Facebook, whoop-de-doo, right? Like, you know, you and I thought it was like, I don't know, freaking Terminator, <laughs> you know, or whatever the, <laughs> you know, it was like mind blowing to you and I, right? And we still haven't gotten over that. I don't think, well, I haven't gotten over that concept. Um, but to these growers, that's just like so lower order, right? They expect chat GPT. They expect virtual reality. They expect the internet and uh, this technology to do those things for them, right? So I, what do you predict for the future yeah. for them? It's pretty bleak because there's two groups. There's the one that there's the, the group that's exposed to fitness right now in the form of sport uh, who will be so burnt out and broken by the time they hit their 20s that they want nothing to do with it. Um, and then there's a group that will probably be on VR doing, you know, some type of online, some virtual fitness game because like they know they have to do it and then that's it. Yeah. Yeah. If we were to put it into like, it's, there's either the, uh, and let's think about this for males and females now. Mm -hmm. Um, so for females, uh, yeah, I guess it might be possible. You're either going to get the female athlete, you're going to get the female physical sacrificer, or you're going to get the immobile female. Yeah. Right? And it's probably the same for males. Male athlete, male physical sacrificer, right? That's the 19-year-old bodybuilding three times a day to get bigger arms kind of thing and thinking, oh, it's just going to justify I'm getting bigger, therefore I'm going to get the girl and I'm a soldier, you know et cetera, et cetera. You know, these things you're being taught. Uh, look at me, I'm making my bed. You know, I'm reading 12 rules for life, you know. <laughs> um, and then the third um, is that you're immobile. And I'm calling that the video gamer, someone who's actually not doing any physical expression. <clears throat> so that still doesn't answer the question though. What will What will predictably happen? So continue that story out then for males and females, if that's the categories that we do have in place. And we generalize that, but it's just for the concept of thinking about our uh, our ideas today. What's going to happen then? I think you started with it on the athlete. I would agree with you. They're going to be, you know, it's pretty sad, but I, I thought about uh, when I was, you know, maybe the early 2000s, you, you may, you may remember me saying this. I was like, the, the, the CrossFit concept or the concept of intense fitness was going to give coaches a thousand years of work for the, like, there's so much work. I mean, the Kelly Starrett moment when that started to happen, I was like, man, there is like a lifetime of work in this for people now. Um, you know, rehab and, treat yourself and, you know, you know, et cetera. Um, that's why the why I say it's probably sad is that those athletes, right. If they're an athlete now and they're burnt out at 30, I was just thinking, man, there's going to be a whole lot of work for, for coaches, right. To be like, Oh, I'm going to rehab 
your old athlete, <laughs> you know, uh, through virtual reality and artificial intelligence, et cetera. So take the other two angles, though. What's your future prediction for both the male and female uh, gamers? Um, and I'm call I should I should say immobile males and females because males will generally be the gamers. Females, I guess I can't fairly classify into one thing, but just I think there's a lot of them in it because of the ability to do um, creativity within um, program design coding and stuff like that I think a lot of younger girls are into it because if you're creating a video game there is a creative outlet within that right so like yep. for, the, for the and there's like so many like there's so much creativity that can happen within technology now that I think it has become a slightly more even playing field for for men and women or boys and girls you know in that age bracket so you're saying the possibility is there because of that initial TikTok thing that happened, right? Where people were doing physical expression, creativity in the in the format of, and they did, and people were like, oh, look at you, you're doing exercise. They're like, well, I'm not doing exercise. I'm just doing like what social media says yeah. that I'm supposed to do, right? Is that what you mean by that? That the future could hold the opportunity for them to do physically creative things because their knowledge of that? Yeah. I would say it's going to be, very, uh, well, I, I'm just guessing. Uh, I think it's going to be a very small audience, but I would agree with you that the opportunity is there because they have that in front of them. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, there's were the um, the uh, physical sacrificers. So those are the males and females who are 20 to 25 years of age today, but are doing physical training for the wrong all the wrong reasons, right? Like I'm doing, you know, glute bridges five times a week because the influencer does it or something like that you know i think that's getting worse and worse yeah so what's the prediction for that outcome uh i mean it's not positive i, I just i don't see there being any be, positive right? there. there can't be an aha moment no um and when it comes to the mating and sexuality i i don't see it being a positive for that world either because i think then there's just so much we're doing it for the wrong intentions right so um when it comes to like connection with another human being when it is a disorder because you're just so obsessed with manipulating your body to like right this percept this insecurity of perception of what you look like um i don't attracting see a mate based upon those behaviors yeah. And that's not you. That's not you. So right? So what happens when you're two years into your relationship? You're like, yeah, you know what? That's not me. But he's like, yeah, but I fell in love with that. That's going to be a problem. <laughs> a huge problem. Oh, man. But I mean, you know, just to give hope for those people, there are a huge ton of people who are enablers. I mean, they'll go their whole life, you know, allowing you to justify all those things that you want to do. Right. So, you know, you may you may fall into. But I would hope anyone listening in, you're going to fall into someone who's going to challenge you. Right. Who's going to be like, oh, yeah. So you want to change. That's fine. But, you know, let's talk about truest intentions here. Right. Let's yeah. talk about the real reason why you want to do it. I mean, I still love you for character, but we do have to talk about our both of our intentions based upon this attraction. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's your couch uh, sex psychology uh, um, 
thing for today that we always give away for free, I may add. Um, yeah, that was pretty good. I, I didn't know where that one was going to go, but I think we answered that. For male, The question was, for male and female growers, what can we predict for their future fitness perception? Um, and we pretty much landed on it. looks pretty bleak. All right. <laughs> uh, so let's go more of a positive angle. Um, what would rise all boats, so to speak, with regards to male-female relations and technology? Um, and try to tie in, of course, where we sit in our lane of fitness. Um, you know, so I was thinking, uh, could, you know, is there anything like with regards to, uh, you know, behavioral things that we could, we could like give to people today or rules or digital education concepts? I mean, I, I, uh, I can only speak personally, you know, about, you know, my quote unquote personal digital life, but I'm also a 50 year old male. Um, you know, I'm not in it. So uh, I don't know. What's your, what's your thoughts on uh, what would rise all boats? It's so dependent, right? Like you're not in it, but I also think there's a lot of like, you know, people that are in this like um, peaking phase that are like kind of getting bored of it. You know, I, I, you're sensing that I, it is like, I mean, a general consensus from like a lot of, you know, people my age that are in their mid thirties that like were on Instagram or like TikTok. at some point, it's like, you just kind of get bored. Right. Mm -hmm. Even like the, the quick satisfaction serotonin, like, you know, like this, like great feeling of opening your phone, looking after all it gets boring. Mm -hmm. Right. And especially now for like, you know, the biggest feedback I get is like, you don't even see the people you went on there to see anymore because it's so filled with ads that you just like see random stuff that you don't even want to see. And it gets like, you can only see so many like cute dogs or cats before you're like, I'm over this. Yeah. Right. So like, I, I, I do think for like certain generations, it is like phasing itself out and maybe something will come in its place that just does the same negative thing. But um, I, I haven't seen a big innovation to TikTok or Instagram that's like really excited people. Mm. Especially in regards to fitness. In regards to fit, like it's not, you know, you can only watch so many girls doing glute bridges and different variations like you know um because watching it isn't getting you glutes so yeah. you know so I, I don't i don't know but i i think it is in some ways like losing its novelty okay that's kind of a nice that's kind of nice to hear how about uh for try to sit in someone who's 21 years of age now male and female do you think they may see it as the same way or are they um i i could i i don't mean to say this before you answer but I could speak for my daughters and their generation. I really do think that their generation is, uh, I, I'm biased here, but I really think they're going to change things. I, I really think that they're far more intelligent than people give them. Yeah. Um, and I really think they know more than, than people think they do. Um, so yeah. I do have hope for that uh, that grouping or that, uh, you know, I guess it would be late teens now. Um, and I, I don't, I mean to say that to bias your answer to that, but I, I, yeah, before I would, I was going to make a statement that, you know, 20 year olds definitely quote unquote, maybe, you know, bored with social media or whatever. I think that they're just like, as for example, my daughters would answer it. I'm like, you know, trying to give 
just their perspective on the digital world or whatever. And their answers back are always generally, dad, like you just don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? As if to say, uh, you really think this is a huge effect for us, but it's not. It's just, it's just something. <laughs> it's just there, <laughs> you know? Um, and I think they really do know what true relationships are. A lot of people think they don't, but they really do. Um, anyways, I don't mind to bias that, but are you seeing it the same way for 21 year old? I, I, I am. And I, I think that's, that, that is my hope is like, you know, for my clients that are in there, like t- my teen clients and my 20 year old clients, like they're, they're smart, right? Like, you know, we have good conversation. Um, even this winter break, hanging out with, uh, you know, our niece, that's an, a freshman in high school, like, yeah, like she's on her phone to like, like talk to her friends, but like, I don't know, like, she's she's a she's a bright kid <laughs> like, like yeah. i feel like they get it you know i yeah, I'm, that's what uh, i mean that's the wording is that's yeah. what i say to me right dad you just don't get it and i'm like what what do they mean by that and then if i reverse it it's like oh but they do get it <laughs> but they do understand it they understand yeah. everyone trying to prey on them right they understand the attention economy platform they understand commercialization right but there's all these virtues that i see inside of them that we seem to forget right uh, like concepts of surveillance, capital surveillance. They understand that, right? They understand government influence. They understand, like, they know those things. And yeah. that, that's what's going on there. Um, so anyways, I think we may may have some agreement there for the growers that uh, uh, we did, I didn't really give an answer as to what would rise all boats, so to speak, with regards to their relationships inside, inside of fitness for technology. But I'm thinking they they are going to come up with something. Their generation is going to come up with something extreme. Yeah. I, I would even take a huge jump here and say that in their generation will be a, a Steve Jobs like thing that's going to happen. You know, and it's and it's it's like Elon Musk concept. You know, take away all the immoral things, an Elon Musk concept on steroids, which will be like you know climate, you know game-changing innovative concepts you know social cohesion innovation like you know i i do think that they that generation will come up with it i'm also silently hoping because when i'm 70 i certainly would love to be t- taken care of and surrounded by a, a whole generation <laughs> of of uh you know if i was to give uh you know an energy towards it but like a, an mlk style of of uh yeah. feeling right martin luther king feeling um Great. so how about for the uh uh the they're not digital natives because i guess i think you're considered a digital native right um how about the analog natives so for 55 to 80 years of age you know what would um what would rise what's going to help them with regards to the relations and technology and fitness trying to think about something here that you can yeah. give as like a send off, you know, uh, besides what we already may have mentioned, you know, which is like, you just gotta, you gotta be, so if you're 16, you're listening in, you gotta be aware as to where you get your information, right? Where are you getting your information from? Like, what is, what is information to you? Where, how do you learn? Do you learn by just reading the local paper? Do you learn by watching, you know, the six o'clock news, right? Um, just don't be afraid to question, like, is that stuff, 
really true, right? Um, you know, recognize when you're being preyed upon, right? By medicine or the performance, I call it the sports medicine paradigm, right? Recognize that with, uh, you know, oh, you're going to have difficulty in five years, dot, dot, dot. Don't hesitate to sign up for this program and take this medicine, right? That, that's the classic like selling point or fear mongering around life and not dying and disease and all these things, right? So I would say maybe, would you agree with that? Just be more aware as to how you get your information. Yeah, like that's the biggest demographic that I think just needs to be more aware. Um, yeah, I think understanding resisting entropy too. I think- yeah, I, I, you know, I have to thank you for that the most because um, I'm just so like open and transparent with, with people about this conversation. And it's refreshing, I think, to a lot of people to not be sold this like false reality that like at, you know, 55, you're going to come into the gym, and put a bunch of lean mass on. Like, let's be real. Yeah. And, and and I no, think they knew it, though, too. Yeah, but no one just says it. No exactly. One it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There was a little hesitancy at first when people are like, no, you, you know, I've, some of they've always my trainer has always told me I'm going to get better. Right. It's like, well, not here, <laughs> you know, Um or, what are we defining or better? let's define better. Yeah. What let's What do you mean by better? Right. Um. Better sleeps. Better poops. Better relationships. Right. Uh, less inflammation. Therefore, better mobility. Yeah. Hey, you got me now. Right. Uh, yeah. an extra fifty pounds on your deadlift. Nah, not not that better. No. Um. All this weight loss. Therefore, better. Uh. Maybe not that. Yeah. So. Nice. Um, I think I had, oh, I did have one more. If we, if we are, um, if we did break it into uh, male, female uh, differences, penis, vagina, people, things, striving, creating. Um, and if we know this technology, te- I think, I think we may have jumped into it before, but if we know this technology is here to stay, how do we go about balancing uh what you and I know to be so important with physical expression with the, with the oncoming just threat of a lack of reality. Right. And I see those two things as being completely different. Like the male thing we talked about with those innate things. Right. Um, and I finished off with this one as a general send off, right. Me, you know, I'll phrase this a little differently. And Robbie Gustin always uh, gives me a highlighting like reminder of this, right? Because I always uh, very I get very conservative in my thought with regards to traditional concepts of like primal activity and et cetera uh, for physical expression. Um, and he's always like, yeah, that did happen, but this is life. This is reality, right? This is like what really goes on today. There are porcelain toilets, there are iPhones, there is medicine, there is all these things, right? So with that, uh, Melissa, we know that, you know, society, America, we are all moving towards what looks like this progressive adapting towards AI and, and technology and et cetera. Um, but there has to be a balancer. There has to be a balancer in, in IE like, physical expression and the pot, the, the things around that. So 
if we know about those essential differences between males and females, we know that technology is continually growing at an like, unbelievable alarming rate. Um, how do we go about balancing that out? I know it's a tall order there, but you approach that whichever way you want, as a coach, as an owner, as a just a philosopher, whichever. I mean, I think, again, technology is great for fitness. It allows us to provide people with workouts. It allows people to track things easier and more efficiently. It allows for quicker communication. Um, but ultimately, I think I always go back to, like, what actually makes us feel good. And no one feels good by not going outside and not moving and not drinking water and not sleeping. So technology can't outdo human function. And so I think as long as we continue to come back to like, no one else, no one ever felt worse by going out and going on a 20 minute walk. Like fight me on that. Right. Like I, anytime someone's like, well, should I do this or that? I'm like, no one ever got worse by getting more sleep. Yeah. Yes. Right. And then you can have the, well, if I slept this much, cool. But I'm saying if you slept seven to nine hours, no one would ever feel worse from doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I, I think for, you know, when people come in and they have these aches and pains or these like fatigue or energy, all these different things, it's like the end of the day, it's like, you have to do physical expression. We have to do fitness and we feel better. So if we want to feel good, we have to do these things. Like we can't technology our way out of. Yeah, we can't, we can't adapt and evolve um, through, through technology alone. Yes. Yeah. It has to be physical challenges. There have to be physical challenges inside of that. Um, you know, finishing on our, our, uh, the language that we use, you know, just try to try to get better. Try to, try to, uh, you know, uh, you know, improve. Um, and why should you improve? Because you can. You can probably improve based upon where you currently are like today. Like if your score is zero, you can you can get to two if the scale is 100, right? And how do you do that? Like you just said, you know, walk 20 minutes. Why? Because you didn't walk it at all. So now walk 20 minutes, right? Um, and then if you're asking, well, what do you do after that? That's a great first question. <laughs> but the for the first steps start with the first steps, right? So go, go and walk, and then we can have a conversation after after you said that. Um, yeah, I wrote down. I think I, I uh, always do this back and forth in my own mind as to what would be the things that would be the if I was to pick a silver bullet. I think the physical challenges thing does topple over everything. I think it makes people have better thoughts. I think it makes them make better choices with regards to how they're going to fuel themselves. And I think it just builds on itself. It builds on itself where people just want to continue to do these physical challenges because they're for themselves and because they're capable of doing those physical challenges. Um, and I think that would be something that would, um, would thwart this onslaught of the growth in technology is just a constant daily reminder of physicality. A constant daily reminder of physicality, doing something physical, um, you know, listening to your breath, um, you know, learning about things like blood pressure during activity, 
you know, during lifting weights, you know, um, learning about, I'm <laughs> just thinking back to, uh, my CrossFit days of, uh, what it's like to have sweat in your eyes and to continue to do activity, right? You remember this, right? It's like so painful, but you just kept going. You just kept going, right? Um, now that that's one story though, but that's the th- story out of a thousands that people can get in a lifetime. Um, and there are experiences that require that initial physical challenge where you just got to be committed to that. And uh, I would think that that would thwart you know, all the shit that we, that we see coming and it's not going to be in replace of this is the interesting thing, which I think I always think Melissa that we as, as trainers and health advocates and physical activity activists, um, we hold something as a key. I think that is uh, an answer to a lot of woes. Um, and I know I'm biased in that because I take that lens of the power of physical expression, but um, I think that there's, you know, a lot inside of people figuring out fitness um, and answering a whole lot of social issues by them figuring out fitness. Um, because the other option is to just, you know, stay in your home, stay on Zoom, stay on a screen. You know, that's that's the other option. Right. And, and wrap an entire life around that. Um, whereas the other could be. You know, do physical challenges daily, try to get better. Um, and I think that creates this unbelievable balancer, you know, in uh, in this tech that's just going to grow. Also, uh, I thought about this. Um, it's also, and I mean, we take for granted that we're at, you know, 2024 and Web 3.0. I'm interested to know what like Web 5.0 or 6.0 is going to be. You know, think about that, right? Um, I could just take a stab at it. It's probably going to be just actual less physical things. I think there'll probably be like electrode connectors to glasses or something in which, you know, what we're thinking immediately happens, right? Like I want to, I want to open up Zoom and I just think about it and it opens up with you. You know what I mean? Like, I think it'll probably be like that, where there's actually no physical dot, 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 and bang, bang, click, click, click. You know, it's, I think, you know, a kid that's born in 2040 is just going to be laughing at 2055. They're going to be kidding themselves. The fact that we had to like punch keys and like hit the arrow button on the send text. You know? <laughs> like you had to hit an arrow? <laughs> Why up? Why an up arrow? <laughs> you know? They'll be like, how dumb is that? Just like how, you know, my parents talk about like the spinning dial phone and kids today are like, what? You know, anyways. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, as usual, uh, because it it only matters if it uh, if it feels good in my brain. I really like that topic today. So I appreciate uh uh, you jamming on it um, with me. Um, anything uh, you want to either finish with or do a send off of or commentary on a particular topic today? Hold on.
we're still here. We're just, we're just going through um, practice of comfortable pauses as we always have done. <laughs> we are pausing because uh, I have a black lab that loves to howl at ambulances. This is reality. This is reality though. I, I don't know. That's a good, uh, it's a good connector. If, and if I know you're going if I knew your lab was going to do that, I would bring Lily in here because any, whether it's across zoom or anywhere, she gets any signal of a dog moaning or barking or making noises, then she'll start uh, barking too. So that would have been a good connection. And it ties in our concept today. Like those are, re that's reality, right? These are the, these are the, this is reality. This is not, it's not a deep fake of a, of an artificial dog. That's interesting. Uh, you know, the future of uh, pets and animals, maybe they'll be digital in the future. I don't know. Maybe they'll be just like little, little digital animals. They'll never age. Really Something about, right? All the benefits that happen <laughs> with people that are in hospitals with animals that come in, right? It's like, well, what happens if it doesn't really matter if that animal is actually alive or not? <laughs> there it goes again. Yeah. That was good See? to hear. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, my recap again is always, you know, I, I love how you laid today out and us always going back to um, who are we talking about and what has their lived experience been? You know, individual. I think the individual, yeah, individual, um, you know, especially for the fitness coach or the person, you know, um, yeah, for the fitness coach that's meeting this person that is in their 50s or their 40s or their 20s, um, what are their biases in comparison to our own and making sure we're always taking those into consideration? Yeah. Yeah, I find it. Uh, yeah, thanks. I'm glad you uh, you. I'm glad you took that from it. It always uh, amazes me in multiple different ways of that similar language we come back to of and we will continue to do it because it's difficult is to provide generalized answers to individual questions. You know, um, it's a, it's a, it's a, cause I've used this term today multiple times. It's a tall order. It's a, it's, it's really difficult to do, but I think it's important. I think it's important that, you know, uh, we, we could be incorrect on some of those things, but we also could be speaking to a larger percentage of an audience that are like, yeah, actually, I agree, you know, to our points we made on a younger generation and innovation in the future to uh, the digital natives and like how they perceive things, right? We could, we could be actually spot on with regards to that. Um, and in summary, I hope that that's going to help some people in the end, because that's what we're, that's what we're going to try to do. So to recap in language, we uh, overlapped web 1.0, 2.0 and 3.0 with grow, peak and resist and talked about uh, technology and how it's connecting to, uh, fitness and relationships. So thanks uh, for listening in. We'll see everyone next time. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you.